Heavenly Father, we, we come to you uh, in need of you on so many different levels, and uh, but on every level that we have. Um, as people uh, who are uh, naturally apart from you because of our own sin, as those who are in you and yet are struggling, as those who are uh, grieving, as those who are um, just dealing with the day-to-day, but Lord, we just need you uh, in, every, uh, in every sense, in every sense. And, um, and so we just want to uh, pray now that you would come and, and be our uh, comfort. We thank you for your word, that it is, in fact, living and active, and um, that it is what we need, uh, because you uh, are, uh, as in your Son, the embodiment of of your word to us, and so we just thank you that he is with us, that he is in us, and, and especially that we are in him, and we, it is in his name that we pray. Amen. Well, this is um, the last of a four-part series on uh, one-on-one conversations uh, with Jesus. There's uh, several, several of those throughout the pages of the Gospels, one-on-one conversations with Jesus. Uh, we've been asking three questions sort of consistently as we've looked at each of the passages. Uh, Nicodemus, the first week, um, uh, we, well, the three questions are, what does it say about Jesus? What does it say about us? And what does it say to us? Uh, the first week, uh, we looked at Nicodemus and what does it mean to be born again? And the sort of misconceptions of that and the proper conception of that. Uh, two weeks ago, rich young ruler, uh, challenging our notions of satisfaction and salvation. Last week we looked at the woman caught in adultery. We said that grace upholds the law but holds up the sinner. And, um, and this week we, I was going to look at the conversation that Jesus had with Satan in the, in the wilderness, but really just in light of um, baby Cameron's death and sort of the marker that that's been for the whole parish, um, I just I, that's just not where I wanted to go this week, and um, and I just wanted to take a look at um, at, at something that's going to bring a word of comfort uh, to me because it's been it's been hard it's been hard, but also to the parish because um, Gil was saying and I, Gil has the perspective um, being the the one who's been on staff the longest uh, that uh, it's really unprecedented. I mean, there've been lots of sort of big unnerving. Uh, deaths in the parish, but but probably not one that has just been felt so personal to so many people across the, the spectrum. Because Cameron has has ministered to us all, or to to those we love. And if you didn't don't know Cameron personally, then you know someone who uh, knows him very personally. So um, so I just want to we want I want to take a look at um, the conversations that Jesus has with Mary and Martha and Lazarus uh, in John 11 and. Um, I do just want to say, if you're wondering, that um, they, I, I did see Cameron and Lauren yesterday, and for what they are going through, they are doing remarkably well. Um, they are. I caught them in a, in a strong moment. Um, you know, it comes in waves, of course, but um, but their faith is strong. It's a, it's a terrible way to find out how much you're loved, but um, they have just been overwhelmed with the love and the support of the of the of the parish. Or people there while I was there cleaning out their pantry for them, and you know, just um, I was there delivering a gift from from some of the men of the Advent, and it was just uh, um, they have they have really felt uh, 
supported uh, on, on like wings like eagles. Uh, so just thank you for that. And they're very, they are very grateful for your um, for the, just the outpour of support that the parish has given to them. So I'm just going to read. It's a long passage, um, but I just thought I'd, I'm just going to read the whole thing and we'll take a look at it. Um, read from, from the scripture. John 11. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard of it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So, when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Isn't that strange that he loved them? And so, because he loved them, he stayed two days longer where he was. And then after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and are you going there again? And Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. And after saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. And then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe in him, but let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us go also, that we may die with him. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her uh, in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet 
saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? And then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead for four days. And Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet unbound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. The word of the Lord. So there is Martha, and there's Mary, and there's Lazarus. And what we see in this passage is that Jesus comforts us with his truth, he comforts us with his tears, and he comforts us with his task. His truth his tears, and his task. Um, just a little, so go back through the background a little bit. Uh, Jesus says this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God. Well, Jesus is not mistaken. The, uh, the, um, the, if you translate it literally word for word, the, the, and the way the King James actually does it correctly, says this illness is not unto death. There's not really a, a, a verb that... Um, it doesn't say to lead to. It says this illness is not unto death. In other words, this illness will not result in death. The end game of this illness it will not be death, uh, but glory. The result of this illness will not be death, but glory. There's purpose in this death. There is eternal glory for Jesus Christ that is going to come in it, a testimony. And, and I just think right to uh, Romans 8.28, um, that uh, all things work to the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to His purpose, which of course is not to say that, that everything that happens is good. Um, and I used to think, and actually I preached from the pulpit on, on that passage, that, that, um, that not everything happens for a reason, but that God gives reason to everything that happens. And that's kind of pithy and it sounds uh, profound, but I, I think I was wrong uh, about that. Um, because because if, if not everything happens for a reason, then, then God's not... In control, and, and I and I kind of came behind that and said, well, God can, God gives reason to everything that happens, and that may be true, but, but, it, but I, I think that if if everything happens for a reason, then there is a reason giver, and that reason giver must be a, a God that is is good beyond our wildest imagination that that we're not even able to see, 
the good, the etern- in an eternal sense. Um, I, I got to spend some time with uh, the uh, with the youth last Monday night, uh, just you know, just crying and 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 grieving, and and one of them came up to me and, and basically just said, "Why, why this little baby?" And and I I, I don't know. Um, I can see that I can see some. I can, and I told him this. I said, I can see some good that is coming out of it just in this gathering here tonight. There's like a hundred kids there, and their faith was so authentic. And um, and and yet, um, that I mean, that seems like little comfort. And um, but we know that there is a uh, there is a goodness to God that must be uh, supersede even what we can what even we can see. And, and so Jesus is saying that there is purpose in this death. Um, of Lazarus. It's not an illness unto death. That's not the end game. And that's true on a practical level for Lazarus, but on a spiritual level for, for all those who believe. Um, Jesus had just escaped a stoning in, Jer- in Jerusalem in a, in a sort of mysterious passage in chapter 10 uh, where they, they were going to stone him and Jesus kind of uh, says, well, I, which good deed are you stoning me for? And it says, no, it's because we're not stoning you for those. We're stoning you because you're making yourself equal with God. And it says they came after him, and, and he just escaped. I would love, I'd love to see the video camera action of, of how that happened. Um, um, but he had escaped stoning in Jerusalem. His, he was on the the uh, the mail, you know, the mail room. He had his, his sketch was up, most wanted, and um, and. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. It's you know now now it's like downtown Jerusalem. Um, it was it was less than two miles. So he was he was actually you can see he was going there at great personal risk. And um, so and this was obviously not lost on the disciples. Thomas the the doubter. You know I I like Thomas. He's the realist. You know he's the the one who calls it like it says it like it is. And he says well, all right we're just all get killed together, you know, and um, and and we remember Mary and, and Martha from Luke chapter eight, and you know this, you remember where Martha's busybody and and Mary's sitting at Jesus' feet, and, and we kind of see that again because Martha ran out to Jesus and and um, and Mary piously you know stayed uh, in the home, and uh, and so Martha comes out. And this is where we see that Jesus comforts us with his truth. He says. Uh, Martha says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Uh, but even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, that God will give you. Martha is not rebuking the Lord for not being there. Um, but, and and she's, not, she's, she's not hoping that Jesus is going to raise Lazarus from the dead. Um, that's, that's probably beyond her wildest imagination. She is... Um, and, and the reason I say she's not hoping that he's going to um, raise Lazarus from the dead is, is based on uh, her assumption that, that he's going to rise on the last day. You, I mean, if, if she had been hoping that Jesus was going to raise him, and he says, "Your brother will rise again," then he's going. Then she said, "She says, all right, you know, that's that's great." But but she says, "I know that he's going to rise, rise again on on the last day." Um, and also in verse 39, where where he says, "Move." Move the stone, and it's Martha. Martha's the one who says, "Jesus, it's going to stink." You know, he's his decay is set in. He's been there four days. Um, but but what Martha's doing here when she says um, she says that 
even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, that, that God will give you, is that she's just expressing, even in the midst of her grief, she's just expressing her confidence in Jesus. Even, even now, even in the midst of things that I can't understand, or things that I wish weren't true, uh, she is able to, to recognize the peculiar intimacy that Jesus has with the Father. She may not be able to say, um, even, even at this point in the conversation, what she says at the end of the conversation, that He is the Christ. Uh, but she says, um, I mean, she's able to say that I know that you and the Father are, are closer than anything we've ever seen before. And I also know that th- my brother's death doesn't cancel that. That, that, um, that even now, that I know, because even though you weren't here, even now I know that God is with you and that He's listening to you and that you are listening to Him. And Jesus says to her in this sort of a- ambiguous statement, isn't it? Uh, it's m- multifaceted. And he, said, he says, your brother will rise again. Your brother will rise uh, again. Jesus has, has spoken often, uh, and especially we see it in John chapters 5 and 6, that uh, he has spoken often in the resurrection. Just flip back to chapter 5. Um, Jesus says, um, he's talking about the, uh, his own authority, and um, he says, Truly I say to you, an hour is coming and, and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. So the dead will live because they've heard the voice of the Son of God. And um, The Father has life in Himself, for so He has granted the Son also to have life. He's given Him authority to execute judgment because He's the Son of Man. Don't marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear His voice and come out, those who have done good to the, uh, to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. And then uh, in chapter 6, we, He calls Himself, He says, I am the bread of life. Um, whoever comes to Me shall not hunger. This is the will of My Father that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life so that I will raise Him up on the last day. So it's very consistent. Jesus has been talking about resurrection on the last day. And, um, and, uh, the, and he, that is consistent with Orthodox Judaism. Uh, he, the, the Pharisees, you know, the Pharisees believed in resurrection. The Sadducees did not believe in resurrection. And he's, uh, this is nothing new. Uh, he's, he's not saying, by talking about resurrection, he's not saying anything that they wouldn't have, um, have believed. But, what, um, but it's not just this sort of empty platitude when he says, um, your brother will rise again. You know, like, you know, we say, so, and, and we're so, we really mean well. We, we intend it and we believe it. You know, when we say to someone who, in the midst of their grief, you know, God's going to use this. You know, God's going to use this. And, um, or good, you know, good's going to really come, come from this. And that's a good thing to say three months down the line or a year later. Um, in the in the in the sting, the acute phase of grief, to say to someone, uh, you know, God's going to use this. I don't, you know, I don't want God to use this. I want my child back, or I want my daddy back, or I want I want it to be different. You know, I, I was talking to someone this week, and they said, I just want it, I just want this to be over. You know, I just want it to go back to the way it was. I want it just want it to be normal. You know, kind of processing that normal is new. You know that was someone in the in the um, that works in the youth department too, and and said there's a new normal, you know, and so it's just not helpful 
um, to to say God's going to use this. And that's but that's obviously not I guess unless you're Jesus, you know. But um, but that's not it's not empty uh, like like that. It's not it's not just sort of a hopeful or even faithful, well intended. He's actually say, saying that your brother will rise again, and she doesn't obviously she wouldn't catch exactly what he's talking about. She just says, um, "Well, I know that he's going to rise again because we I, I'm I, I studied the scriptures. I, I've been brought up in in church. This was a um, Mary and Martha and Lazarus. This is a prominent family, um, and we uh, that that may not that may surprise us because we know that Jesus sort of spent time with the uh, the down and out, and the, maybe the poor of society. But this was—they were a prominent family. We know that because when Mary um, broke the the alabaster jars, very expensive, the the perfume, very very expensive. Um, and it also says that many Jews came. Um, it, it wasn't just a, a few uh, people. It didn't say that many people came or a few Jews came. But these were the these were prominent Jews from Jerusalem. It had walked the two miles. To Bethany, there was a great big crowd there mourning with them. They were a prominent family there, and therefore they were well educated. Uh, almost surely, they were uh, socially gracious, and so she doesn't kind of just say, "Well, you know, thanks a lot." Um, she's she is able to say she knows what uh, her scriptures say. She knows what she's been taught. Uh, I know that my brother is going to rise again. I know uh, that that will happen on the last day. And Jesus says um, that he, or she said, he's going to rise again in the resurrection. And Jesus says to her, "I am the resurrection, and I am the life. And whoever believes in me, though he die, yet uh, shall he live." This is one of the, uh, I think there's seven statements in John where Jesus says, "I am something. I am the bread of life." I am the light of the world. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the true vine, uh, he says. It is um, hearkening directly back, whether Jesus intended, I'm sure Jesus intended it, but certainly John, as the author, intends directly back to the statement of, of, of God's, of who God is. Moses at the burning bush said, kind of has out of excuses not to go to Egypt. And he says, all right, well, just who, who am I going to tell him sent me? And, and God says, I am that I am. Tell them I am sent you. And so when Jesus makes an I am statement, what John is saying, and certainly what Jesus was saying, is that he is divine. That he is the embodiment of divine truth. Um, it's a statement of Jesus' divinity. Uh, uh, and so uh, D.A. Carson, you do know that name? He's a, a, a great scholar. He's, this is what he wrote. He says, Jesus' concern is to divert Martha's focus from an abstract belief in what takes place on the last day to a personal, personalized belief in Him who alone can provide it. Just as He, Jesus, not only gives the bread from heaven but is Himself the bread of life, so also he not only raises the dead on the last day, but is himself the resurrection and the life. There is neither resurrection nor eternal life outside of him. So in Christ, death is not the final word. Death is not the final word. Even though we die, yet 
uh, shall he live. Everyone who lives in me, everyone who believes in me, uh, shall never die. Um, J.I. Packer might say, into me. He lives into me. There's, a, there's an intimacy, a closeness. He believes into me. Um, and, and he puts it back on Martha. Remember, he's comforting with truth. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? And well-educated Martha just understands that she carries the argument forward and she says, if you are the one who, uh, by whom the resurrection on the last day has happened, if you are the one uh, through whom all, all of us will be resurrected, then I believe that you are the Christ. Because that's the office of the Christ. That's the task of the Christ. You are the Son of God who is coming into the world. Now, some of us are fixers and some of us are feelers. Fixers love this. This is the Jesus that fixers like. When Amy comes to me and she wants to tell me all the things that have gone wrong, I want to fix it, right? You know, like, I don't want you to fix it. I just want you to listen. You know, that's what I, that, oh, I just want to, I, don't, but I know how to fix it, right? You know, the fixers love this. This is Jesus. Just tell me what, I don't, don't give me the emotion. Just tell me what to do and I'm going to, I'm going to do it. Fixers love this Jesus. This is truth. Let me cling to what I know. Let me cling to what I know. Um, we need truth. We need the truth. Um, if my loved one, if I, myself, if baby Cam, if one is in Christ, if one is in Christ when they die, then they will live forever in Him. And we need to know that. We need the truth of that. Um, and, and we need the supreme authority of Jesus to be able to determine the resurrection on the last day. It's, it's overwhelming um, to understand His authority in that moment. Um, he comforts us with His truth. We've got to have the truth. But then we see Mary. And He comforts Mary with tears. And this is a strange thing. Mary and Martha are sisters. They, they, they've obviously been talking. And they say the exact same thing. So Martha says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Mary comes out, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And yet, this is seconds later. I mean, like, you know, just minutes after this. And Jesus' reaction is 180 degrees different. It is completely different than, than what he just said to Martha. Well, don't you think, isn't it, I mean, don't you think this, so, this, is, this is for the feelers? Jesus Martha's for the fixers. This is for the feelers. He, he's overwhelmed with grief. He, he, can hard, he can hardly speak. All he can say, there's no bold declaration of truth. All he can say is, well, where did you, where's the body laid? Where, did, where have you put him? And Jesus wept. I mean, didn't you find it strange that Jesus didn't say, you know, it's funny you should say that, Mary, because Martha said the same thing. And I just, I'm going to tell you what I told her. I am the resurrection and the life. Buck up, Mary. <laughs> but he doesn't do that. He weeps. He is, he is the embodiment of truth. Ultimate truth. But he is also the embodiment of ultimate compassion. And, um, and this it goes so far beyond... Empathy. So, empathy is good. I'm not. I don't. I'm not poo-pooing empathy. Empathy is good, but it goes so far beyond that. He's not. 
just saying, I'm so sorry for your loss. I'm so sad to see you sad. Now, those are good things to sit with somebody. Fixers, we want truth. We want, you know, we want the words. We want the truth. Feelers, just want, just sit with me while I grieve. Just be with me and know that. And, I, and we, we need that too. But, the, but Jesus goes far beyond the empathy that you and I could, could offer someone in their grief. When it says that Jesus is deeply moved, the word there is uh, in Greek is embrimaomai, which I know you all recognize that, embrimaomai. And, and English translators have had terrible time with this this word throughout the, um, throughout the centuries. Because it is not what we think of, and it's not how English works our mentality. Um, it's not just, I mean, the, the King James translates says, groaning, he groaned within his spirit. Here we have, uh, he was deeply moved in his spirit. But what the word was, it was, it was, it was the word means to snort like to bellow with rage. Um, like it's the word that you would, when a, when a horse is, is flaring its nostrils or a bull is about to charge, this is its fury. And, and, and Jesus comes and He sees their grief and He is furious. He is uh, enraged as He, as he weeps. So the question then, what is he what is he furious at? Is he furious at them for mourning? Is he furious at Mary and her lack of faith? I, I don't think that those are likely. Um, given the context, uh, I think that he is furious at death. He he. Uh, this was not part of the plan. When he spoke the world into being, when he hovered over the waters and said, let there be light and let there be earth and let there be swimming things and, and creeping things and let us create man in our image, he did not create death. I mean, he allowed it uh, because uh, he allowed, it, it, and I, it's, that's, we're, that's a whole other topic and, and I'm going to cover it now in two tw- Ten minutes. No, um, um, careers have been spent on, on wondering about that. But he sees death and he sees grief and ex- his heart explodes with this sort of anguished fury such that they say, well, see, see how he loved him. I mean, so there, he's it's consistent with his character. It's, he's, he's loving Lazarus. And he's loving Mary and Martha. And yet he's staring death in the face and he is furious, like a raging warrior about to do battle. It's not, his love and his fury is not, for God, it's not antithetical. Um, Monday night, I came home, and I mean, I was just, I was, I was just exhausted. I mean, you, could, you were too, I'm sure. My son Luke is four days younger than baby Cam. And um, and Luke came in, and you know they're buddies. You know they're they're they ran in the nursery together, mm-hmm. and um, and he had almost like a, almost a smile on his face, and said, "Baby Cam died. He's in. He's with Jesus." This sort of concrete, childlike knowledge 
that he's with Jesus. Now me, like I know Cameron. I watched baby Cameron get born. I've, I've you know, how many hours have I spent with, with his dad? Uh, he's my friend, and I'm a father. And I just I process it so much. I'm so much closer in, in, than Luke, and I and I process it in such a a, a, a different and deeper uh, way. And yet, um, and yet, I, Cameron and and Lauren. I mean, what I feel can't come close to what what they feel and the grief that they were feeling. Cameron said yesterday, I've had some Mike Tyson cries. It was in a sort of typical Cameron Cole kind of way to describe things. I've had some, some Mike Tyson crazes on, on the floor, can't move, heaving, sobbing. Uh, and, um, and I can't know the, that kind of, of grief. And, and so the reason I say this is the closer one is to the tragedy, uh, the more profoundly it's, it's felt. And what we can't get uh, around, uh, get our heads around sometimes is how much closer Jesus is to, to, to grieving death than even Cameron uh, for his son. Uh, the, the, how much closer Jesus is to the death uh, in, that is uh, crippling his creation. He sees death and he approaches it uh, with all the fury of a divine warrior. We need a Jesus who is not going to just crumple at the thought of it, but is going to approach death with a fury. That he is going to tra- trample down death with his own death. And death is going to lose his sting because he's going to pull out the stinger uh, himself. He's going to rise again. And so, um, and so we need both. We've got to have the truth. We've got to have a God who comforts us with his truth. Uh, but, but we also have to have the tears. That he's uh, not just a sympathetic, he's, he's not just a God of ultimate truth. He's not just a man of sort of compassionate sympathy, but, but he's the God-man. He's fully God and fully man whose great, high, mighty truth is robed with His loving compassion and whose loving compassion is given strength and structure and force with an eternal weight uh, by pure and divine truth. We've got to have both. We've got to have... uh, we, We can't meet life in all its brokenness without a God who is both divine truth and eternal compassion uh, met in uh, Jesus. And so we are so grateful. Uh, but he, So He comforts us with His truth and He comforts us with His tears. And yet we are also comforted by His task. He makes an object lesson out of Lazarus. He makes an object lesson. He came to raise the dead. That's why He came. He came to set the captives free. Spiritually speaking, we who were dead in our trespasses, He made us alive together uh, with Christ. Uh, And eternally, we will be raised on the last day. Death is not the final answer. With a word, He spoke creation into being. With a word, He reverses death. Lazarus, come out. Lazarus, come out. Do you imagine? Do you imagine the the jaw-dropping scene I mean, it would, it would have been so foolish as to, be, as to be embarrassing until the mummy walked out of the cave that Jesus said, Lazarus, come out. That's why he came. I love you. Um, <laughs> and um, to raise the dead, the spiritually and the physically dead who are in him. Uh, the the late James Montgomery Boyce, um, we quote him from time to time, uh, he pointed out that the death cannot exist in the presence of Jesus. 
death cannot exist in the presence of Jesus. He never met a funeral that he didn't stop. There's no biblical account of Jesus being in the presence of death without it being temporarily reversed. And that's our God. And that's the one that um, that when I was with Cameron uh, and Lauren in the emergency room on, on uh, Monday morning, that Cameron said that God is good and the gospel is true. The one that Cameron um, said to Frank, if you heard the sermon, he came out of the, the room with Cam, baby Cam's body and said, if anybody thinks that Christianity is just a philosophy, they, it's not just a philosophy. But it is the very words of life, that our, our whole life depends on it. That it, we have the God-man who came to set the captives free, who came to raise uh, the dead. And, um, and the baby Cam, who professed his faith in Christ, uh, is alive, uh, as are your loved ones, as you will be uh, when your day will come as well. Um, and so I just, I just needed to, he- to hear those words. And, I, and I, um, it was such a rich time for me to, to study this, and I hope it's rich for you as well. And, and for, a, for a parish that's, that's grieving, that, um, that He is our God of truth, uh, who suffers and grieves death more profoundly than we could ever imagine because He is the author of life and yet defeated it, um, defeated death on our behalf by His own death and His own life. Uh, evermore. So, thanks be to God. Do we have any any? We got just a couple minutes left. Do you have any questions or comments or thoughts or things you need to say? Well, let's just pray. Oh Lord, what a mercy! to know that you who have come to us, we who were dead in our trespasses, that you have made us alive forevermore uh, with you. And that though we die, yet shall we live, because you are the resurrection and you are the life. You are the one who affects our rising to life, and you actually are the one uh, who is and in whom is eternal life. And so, God, we just cling to that. We pray for our friends, Cameron and Lauren, and we pray for all those who are suffering and mourning loss and who are fearful of uh, death. We pray that you would be their life as you are to Cameron and Lauren, as you are to us. We thank you that you are a God of truth, but you also are our ultimate compassionate. Those are married in, in the person of Jesus Christ who came to raise the dead by his word. We thank you that your word is spoken over us. It is finished. We cling to that in in His name, in the name of Jesus. Amen.